0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I am your host, Will McFadden. We've got a great, great preview of... Monday night's Jets Falcons preseason game, as well as just an overview of Falcons training camp, who's making noise, all of that stuff with Mike Rothstein, who covers the Atlanta Falcons for ESPN.com also is the host of the from the perch podcast that has been doing a great job of breaking down a lot of Atlanta training camp, a little bit like this podcast, but he will be joining me here in just a minute to kind of give an overview of where things stand with some camp battles. We get into his Marlon Davidson report and, you know, the status of the former Auburn star and, you know, where things may shake out roster wise with him, um, as well as the quarterbacks, all of that awesome stuff um, for you guys today. I want to briefly just kind of touch on the fact that these preseason games should all be looked at as kind of like parts of the whole right? In a lot of the conversations that, you know, me as part of the media, but more the media as, as a whole, the guys that have been up there every single day, guys and girls, I should say. Um, but in a lot of these conversations, I think you're seeing Arthur Smith maybe pump the brakes and say, well, you know, yes, it's easy to take this one player, this one snapshot, but you need to look at the whole. That tone's not going to change. And as much as, as we in, in the media or fans as a whole kind of gravitate towards splash plays. You know, the things that stand out are easy to notate because they stand out, right? Shocker. But as a coaching staff, when these guys go back inside from practice and are pouring over every single play that is filmed, that is what they're working on. They're building a collective database of information from which to make these very tough, oftentimes career-altering decisions, right? Like their jobs are on the line and they're building a staff right now, but not just a coaching staff. They're building a staff, a roster, you know, players. Who are they going to go to work with every single day this season? And they've got a lot on the line. So I just want everybody to keep in mind that little fact. And you probably already know it, but it's always good to get a little bit of a reminder that when you watch the Falcons play the Jets on Monday, sure, there may be one huge play that, um, let's say a guy like D. Alford making that interception uh, against the Lions, That's a huge play, but the coaching staff is probably going to give just as much weight to the play before that and the play after that for somebody like D Alford and not just the big splash play that we all share on Twitter because it's a it's a cool standout play and it shows what a player like that is capable of, but not necessarily on a down to down instance. And that is what the coaching staff cares more about than anything else. So. Little preamble, but just uh, a notion of, of caution or maybe objectivity when evaluating on your own some of the plays that you see on in Monday night's game. And then again on Saturday when the Falcons take on the Jags in what is mercifully going to be their final preseason game. So you're about to hear a lot more talk about the preseason, about training camp with Mike Rothstein, and we are going to get to that right after this. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including the NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, combat sports like MMA and boxing, eSports like video games, obviously, and even golf. Winner to Live Tour, PGA, probably both. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's bleav A V five zero to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Very excited to be joined now by Mike Rothstein, who is, of course, a writer for ESPN covering the Atlanta Falcons and does a great job as the host of From the Perch, which has been recapping pretty much the entirety of training camp throughout training camp. Mike, how are you doing, man? Thanks so much for joining me.
1: I'm all right. I'm I'm surviving. Camp Camp Brain has been in full effect this week. I think uh, on Twitter, I said it was July when... It's August. I forgot what day of practice it
0: was at this
1: point. <laughs> uh, re- week one needs to get here, Will. It just does. Your name's Will, right? It's not Bill.
0: <laughs> no, it's not Bill. No, it's. It, we're this far into training camp. You should at least, I know I don't have the sticker on the helmet anymore, but but we should at least uh, be on a first name basis. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, it, it's, it, I mean, this is a time of, of training camp where I think everybody is kind of like, all right, cool, let's, you know, yeah, At least, you know, I think some some vets, too, like, who know they're like, all right, we've been through this whole joint practices. All right, let's just get let's just get there already. Um, you know, the this week coming up. The week this really matters for our for the, you know, bottom 55 people currently on the roster or 50 or really, you know, after Monday's game of the post the cuts, the bottom like 30 or so. Like yeah. that's who it really matters for because you are fighting for a job or to put tape together in that final preseason game to try and find a job elsewhere.
0: Yeah. And I mean, let's let's just start kind of right there. That's a great segue. And the Falcons, of course, will be facing the uh the Jets in their second preseason game on Monday night. Um yeah, I, I don't know who made the preseason schedule, but clearly they wanted to give these two teams uh one shot at at prime because they probably won't have many other opportunities. Um but you mentioned the lower portion of the roster as it stands. Of course, there's, you know, probably 30 guys on this team that are, that are safe, that, you know, the coaches aren't going to say they're safe, but for all intents and purposes, they are. That leaves, you know, 20-ish guys who, who are really kind of fighting for either a big role or a roster spot um, writ large. But who in on Monday night do you think really needs to have a good game to either stave off being one of the guys that sees their name on the list kind of coming up here this week, or, you know, really just to secure and lock down a spot on that 53 with just one more good performance?
1: Good use of writ large, by the way. Uh, <laughs> clearly, you're an English major. Um, that's a tough question. So I, I actually would expand that number. I, I think it's more than 30. I, I would guess probably between 40 and 45. That's probably you know, about I, right. I think that roster's pretty set. I, I, would, I would almost say as much as 45. Although you never know because there's an injury or two. You know, a guy makes a mistake here and there, but there are a bunch of guys and some guys that, you know, a month ago, a month and a half ago, we would have would have not been in this position. And and I'll start right with Auden Tate. Right. Like Auden Tate had went from a guy who when he signed in free agency, looked like he might be the starter opposite Mm -hmm. Drake London or a starter opposite whoever they were going to bring in. Before they traded for Brian Edwards to a guy who I don't know if he makes the roster, he he hasn't done much in training camp. He had one really impressive catch, but he's dropped a lot of passes. I, I don't make so I make I make more out of the first field versus second field than apparently Arthur Smith does. But <laughs> I've been around this long he, because he. I asked him about this uh, last week, and he had said that. You know, yeah, they're mixing and matching and it's more about reps and sometimes you'll have a guy on that field because you want him to get more reps and install than he might get as like the true backup on another field. But when there are injuries, if a guy, if there are heavy injuries at a position, like I'll give you an example, Tease Tabor, I don't necessarily think Tease Tabor is going to make this team. You know, I think he's got an outside shot at making this team, but mm-hmm. Jalen Hawkins gets hurt, Tease Tabor moves over to the first field. Auden Tate, even when they were down Brian Edwards and Drake London in practice, Auden Tate was still on that second field. And if you're a veteran on that second field at this time of camp, that's a bad sign for you. So Auden Tate's a guy that I think is going to have to have a huge week if he's going to make this team. Uh, you know, I, I'm thinking mostly of vets, right? Like, Right. Jonathan Harrison is going to have to have a huge week if he has any shot, and even then, I don't know. Um, like, I, you know, I'm going to throw a surprise name out there, um, and and I think he makes the team still. I do, but I don't think his role is as clear as maybe it was, and and maybe it becomes more of the special teams role that um that that a lot of people thought, myself included, when they signed. But Mike Ford, Mike Ford's been taking ones reps interesting the entirety of the entirety of training camp but the emergence of d alford and the reality of they clearly of a plan for isaiah oliver who's been taking rest at safety also so maybe it ends up being uh isaiah oliver and mike ford a very similar type situation where i think they really i mean d alford was taking first team reps at nickel a good portion of this week now i asked arthur smith about this and he said that hey you know they want to see what he can do but arthur smith's been very big on hey you know a guy flashes here a guy flashes there you write about that people see that they don't see the three plays he got burnt or the three plays he got Mm pancaked. i asked well is d alford another one of those guys he's like no d alford literally ever like he just keeps showing up and works hard and once you start hearing arthur smith describe a guy as you know, he works really hard. Like I, you know, all he's done is come in and work since he he's been here. Like those are like I think that's like Arthur Smith's love language in a way. And when you start hearing him talk like that, you're like, okay, this guy really has a shot. And the fact that D. alford has moved up as he has, now he has to back it up with I think another performance here in a game. So you want to talk about a guy who needs to solidify his spot. D. Alfred's a guy there. But I do wonder if that comes at the expense of Mike Ford, where Mike Ford was looking to maybe be a starter if Isaiah Oliver wasn't ready, and maybe even if he was. So I do think Mike Ford still makes this team because he's one of their better special teams players. But all of a sudden, say you have a rash of injuries elsewhere, maybe it's a question now. You know, now with Marlon Davidson's a good example of, well, what do they do with Marlon Davidson? Because if they do want to have him on injured reserve. eventually potentially designated to return, they have to keep them on the original 53. And that Mm -hmm. means they're going to cut somebody and then put them on IR and, and, you know, the the age old, hey, listen, we're cutting you, but listen, stick around. You'll be back in 24 hours. And 95% of the time that ends up occurring, you know, there will be potentially one and who knows, maybe two guys who that category ends up falling under. So, those are, those are guys to me. And and Mike Ford's really a name I just had thought about kind of yesterday and today as I don't think he's on the roster bubble, but I don't, I I do think his chance of having a major defensive role might be in jeopardy.
0: Yeah. and, And that's a great point and kind of why I phrased it that way, because everybody is, you know, I think Dan Campbell, for those who watched Hard Knocks, the very first episode of Hard Knocks, he kind of put it pretty well where it's Some guys are here fighting for an expanded role as like the main part of our offense or defense. Some people are here fighting for extra playing time in a medium-sized role. Some guys are just fighting to make the roster here. Everybody's at a different point. And that's what I think your answer encapsulates is Mike Ford kind of from the beginning was drawing praise from Dean Pease, was drawing praise from Arthur Smith just about like some of the experience that he brings, the way he's handling himself. But camp is long. Three preseason games, like, other players have opportunities to ascend, to take advantage of any slip ups or anything like that. And not to say that Mike Ford has slipped up, but D. Alford has been one of the stars of camp. I think that's safe to say. And he made a interception in the preseason game. He's continuing to earn every little bit. And just like you mentioned, every coach has their little tells, they have their little words that they use. That's, you kind of understand that that means they like a player, even if they're trying not to be as effusive in their praise as. We might, um, but I definitely think hard worker. Like that was what we saw with Adai Oganegi last year was just kind of some of these words that Arthur Smith used where it was like this, he clearly likes this dude for one reason or another. And it's stuff that he's seeing out there on the field. So I think D Alford absolutely falls under that category. I think that one of the Avery issues, Williams and challenges, by the way. Avery Williams, mm-hmm. I, a, I completely, and I think Damian Williams, um, like that was one of the first things that he said was like a leader. Go ahead, go ahead with Damian. Though. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, it's, it's, it's interesting because the running back spot, going back to the, I didn't mean to cut you off, but like going back yeah, to good. the question that we were just talking about. I think every running back that they have right now, other than Cordero, yeah, is in that not a lock category. Now, Damian Williams is probably closer to that than others. And Avery Williams, if he wins the punt returner job, is on the team. But like, Kadri Olsen's ran really well yep. and and i just i it's a t- that's a tough cut for me right now if i were Same. doing a 53 and i'm gonna have a 53 that i'm gonna have a kind of an updated 53 that drops on monday i don't know when this podcast is dropping but uh i'm gonna have an updated 53 before the jets game and it'll be my last 53 before uh my final 53 i i, I don't know what to do there like, I, I might go heavy at running back because I I, I don't know. I, I That's a really difficult call if I think you're the Falcons. Now, something might shake out on Monday in joint practices. I obviously wasn't at joint practices with the Jets, so I didn't see how guys ran there. But, you know, I, that's that's a tough – I, I, you know, I keep saying tough, but it's a difficult conversation because running back is so hard to evaluate during training camp, because they're not, they're told not to tackle. They're told not to really hit, you know? So it it makes it a little bit different. And I I get criticized. I've seen some criticism. Hi Reddit. Uh, I've seen some criticism. Uh, oh, my observations never mention the running backs and never mention the lines well, right except for individuals. Well, running back is probably the toughest position to evaluate in terms of training camp practices that's why in games i'll pay more attention to it and offensive defensive line it's difficult to evaluate that again with the vantage point that we have in training camp because you're right there on the field so you're not seeing necessarily what you would see from an elevated perch um and that kind of changes a little bit of it as well. Plus, I think when it comes to offensive and defensive line, you get much more of a sense of whether a player has improved based off of what they do in individual one-on-one or two-on-two drills versus as a whole unit because you don't know whether they're supposed to be stunting or running a game or if, or if there's supposed to be some pulling on the offensive line. And that's kind of, I guess, I'm defending for the listeners who also read my observations. I'm defending my observations a little bit. Um, just kind of explaining why I sometimes seem to focus on skill position guys, uh, and, you know, DBs and linebackers.
0: Yeah. And I'll get you back there because it is really hard to, I uh, certainly the running backs, it's almost impossible. I mean, the Brees hall touchdown highlight that I guess the Jets like, that's clearly a touchdown. That was one cut. He made the defender miss yeah. and then just uh-huh. outran everybody. Like that's a touchdown on Sunday, but a lot of times you'll get plays that finish like that where a running back has run through three defenders who kind of slap him on the knee pad. And it's like, all right, in a game, is that an arm tackle that he runs through? Is that the defender actually is in position, squares him up and knocks him two yards backwards on the tackle? Like, there's just no way to actually tell unless these guys are really going live. So that's why running back can be really hard. And then when you get a first preseason game, like you did where all the running backs seemingly do pretty well out there, that's what makes it feel so log jammed. At, at that right. spot right now, and well, it's tough to tell.
1: Well, the other thing too, right, is the guy we ha- that hasn't gotten mentioned yet, well, besides Caleb Huntley, who hasn't gotten mentioned, and right. uh, after I think he had a really strong start to camp, and it seems like that might... It's fizzled you know, a might, little bit. Might, yeah, it might not be enough, is Tyler Algier. Yep. And I don't know what to make of that at this point. Now, I, I do anticipate Tyler Algier being on the roster. I, I, don't, I don't see him not making the team, although he was a day three pick. So you never know, but I mean, I at this point, if you're taking purely the best guys on the roster, I don't know if Tyler Algier hits that marker. Yep. I, I don't. I just don't. I mean, and it's that—that's a tough question for Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith. You know, last year they were very beholden to their draft picks, and and I understood why. Right, like first year. You didn't yeah. have that many. You knew, you knew the change was a coming. So <laughs> you wanted to hold on to your guys. Now, I don't know if they're going to be as beholden. Because frankly, if they are, then they're cutting two good players for two guys who will probably clear waivers and end up right on your practice squad. And Justin Schaefer and John Fitzpatrick, because those two guys have been ghosts, basically. Mm-hmm. In, in any sort of meaningful drill and training camp. So, and those positions are also log jammed enough. Tight end is an incredible yeah. log jam. And yeah. I don't, I mean, I would imagine they're keeping four there. And that's because the fourth is Felipe Franks, um, who may end up being their third, but, you know, for, for all intents purposes. And then offensive line where you need to keep your best guys because you still are figuring out center and Jalen Mayfield's going to be on this roster. He's looked better in, you know, in that first preseason game. We'll see how he looks against the Jets. And then you need to have tackles. So I, I just don't know where Justin Schaefer fits into that mix if you're really worried about protecting either one of your quarterbacks.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I totally am with you where I understand in the first year, like that's not the time that as a front office you want to be showing signs that you're second-guessing yourself or that you were wrong in your kind of original evaluation of, of draft players. So yeah, you tend to keep a lot of your guys from the, if not all of your guys from that first draft class, just to show, Hey, this is how we expect things to be done from moving forward. These are the things that we are looking for. But yeah, with, with your second class, are you staying kind of blindly devoted to these guys that you drafted because you, they have these qualities that you're looking for, or once you get out there on the field and it's competition and you're preaching accountability and competition and all that stuff, at what point, you know, who wins over the other there? And, and that'll be really interesting because I agree with Tyler Algier. Like, I, I think that he hasn't done poorly, but he hasn't popped the way that some of the other guys have. But he's a rookie. And so, generally, you tend to give rookies that spot.
1: I think Tyler Algier is on the team. I'm referencing more Schaefer and Fitzpatrick. You know, if, right. if, they, if Tyler Algier looks terrible these this next seven days, right, would I be stunned? No.
0: I, I think I he's surpri- on the team too, though.
1: Would I be surpri- Would I be mildly surprised? Would that be in whatever like they have me do for ESPN? Like, right. Surprise? Yeah, that would probably be the surprise, just because he fits the type of mold that they're looking for. Yep. So I, I don't know what they're going to do there, and I know we're just kind of rattling off names a little bit and probably derailing what you were hoping to do with the podcast. But uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, but the other guy is Frank Darby. Right, like Frank Darby, yes. a week, yeah. a week ago, week and a half ago, was like ninth on my depth chart. Uh, I don't, I don't keep an actual depth chart, unlike some other beat writers who are obsessed with depth charts. But um, <laughs> I, I do have an idea in my head of what I'm looking at. And Frank Darby, among right. all the guys who have played a snap in the NFL, was last um, on that list. I think Frank Darby's firmly on a roster bubble. I think he has done a lot in the last week to like show that, that he's growing and that he gets it. and He seems to be taking it more seriously, certainly than last year when it was just a, just a mess during camp. But even really the beginning of this camp, I think he seems like he's gotten it. And I think he's starting to make plays and you're starting to see him show up a little bit more. He has shown he does have some special teams value, particularly as a gunner and a jammer mostly as a gunner. So I think that there is a chance that Frank Darby ends up making this team. And, you know, 10 days ago, I would have said, nah, like that. I don't know. I Honestly, I don't even know if that dude makes the practice squad because they've got, you know, Jared Bernhardt, who they love. And, you know, you want, by the way, you want to talk about like love language? Like Jared Bernhardt and Arthur, like there's there's a love language there, man. Like, yeah, I mean, when he's got a nickname for him, like, like, I don't expect Jared Bernhardt to be on the 53. I don't think Jared Bernhardt expects Jared Bernhardt to be on the 53. Right. But I, I do anticipate if he doesn't get claimed by somebody on, uh, you know, on waivers, which uh, not many guys do, truthfully. Yeah. Like, I know that's always a thing. If they get through, the vast majority of players do not. I would not be I would be actually more surprised to not see Jared Bernhardt on the Atlanta Falcons practice squad. Um. You know, uh, the only way that I, I, I came about to say this. the only way I see Jared Bernhardt not on the Atlanta Falcons practice squad is if Tom Kennedy, who is the Lions receiver, who, just, <laughs> who was ends up on the Atlanta Falcons practice squad. If he doesn't make the Lions, because Tom Kennedy is just a more advanced version of Jared Bernhardt. <laughs> but, but I man. mean, down to the lacrosse skill, I mean, Jared Bernhardt, yeah. the yeah. much better lacrosse player, you know, but but I mean, I covered Tom Kennedy as a rookie. when he was going through this and it's exactly the same, like they loved Tom Kennedy in training camp. They loved everything that he could do, but they're like, you are so dang raw.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And, and
1: And, and Bernhardt's this Bernie. We'll call him Bernie is the same way. Bernie was also my neighbor growing up. Um, Uh, that was, that was my neighbor's name was Bernie. So yeah, every time I hear Bernie, I I get a, a flashback really quick of, uh, of Eleanor, his wife, you like, Bernie, where are you? <laughs> uh, and, and I'm instantly taken back to my childhood on Long Island. Anyway, that's, that's too much of a, now we're done a <laughs> rabbit hole. Let's, let's dig out of this rabbit hole, please.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, who would have thought that Arthur Smith was a Bernie bro, but, um, I'm glad that he is. Cause I, I like Jared Bernhardt as well. Um, but let's, let's kind of stick to this a little bit because you bring up a, a philosophical, um, I think debate about how the preseason should be used, especially as we've gone now to three preseason games. It seems like coaches are thrown for a loop a little bit here, trying to figure out their perfect formula. How much of a run do you think the Falcons are going to give their starters on Monday night? And the balance here obviously is preparing your starters for the regular season versus giving some of these guys like a Frank Darby, you know, like a Jared Bernhardt, you know, even more run to really show what they can do in meaningful action.
1: I think we'll see. I don't know this for sure, right? So this is me just kind of... Speculating. Right? Because I wasn't in New York. I feel like we'll see some starters play a decent amount. you guys still got to figure out what's going on at center, and you don't get a great grasp of that unless, except in games. The running back situation we talked about, other than Cordero Patterson, I, I feel like if we see Cordero Patterson at all, it'll be a cameo and, and mostly just throwing passes to, play, to fans at, in the MetLife stance. But I don't anticipate we see much of him, nor should we. I don't think we should see much of Kyle Pitts. Drake London, I would be beyond shocked if we saw him. And I figured he'll be ruled out before the game because Mm -hmm. he has practiced all week. And and Arthur's even, if you read between the lines, Arthur has even hinted that, you know, maybe they don't need him to come back until week one. Um, So I, I think you'll see the starters maybe a little longer than what we saw in week one. But remember, they got joint practices again on Wednesday and yep. Thursday and then another game. So to me, I think this is an opportunity to get, you know, your mid again, get Desmond Ritter a lot more work, maybe get Felipe Frank some work at quarterback. And then in the third preseason game, you're kind of treat- sitting everybody. That That would be my guess. But hey, listen, it was what, the third preseason game last year where Arthur Smith actually put out some of the starters for – a series, you know, so I, I don't know. And I don't know if anyone's really figured it out yet. And that's, I think, makes preseason a little bit more interesting. But at the end of all of this, Will, the same goal remains for preseason. Get out of preseason healthy. Every coach, if you strapped them in, all the platitudes aside, if you put some serum in them and said, you got to tell the truth. <laughs> yes, what's the most important thing in preseason? Every single one of them for the the first thing they say, get all of my starters and key players out of it healthy. That's the most important thing. Everything else is secondary because if there are some players that you're counting on anyway, you are anticipating that they have taken care of themselves enough on their own to to be able to get there. And you count on the practices that you've had and joint practices that you've had to get the proper work in. And you hope that you just don't have too many situations like what happened with Jalen Hawkins, you know, where now he's banged up for a week or so. And, you know, but again, Jalen Hawkins is a guy, I don't know how much run you need to, to run him out there, you know? And he's right. been running largely on that second field with the second team. And I think that's because they're like, why, why rush it? You know, let's just be smart with his reps and, and get him back to full strength here because you want everybody ready to go against the Saints in week one. You don't care about whether they're ready to go against the Jaguars on
0: Thursday. Right. And and that is absolutely, it always is. It's like one of the hard and fast rules in the NFL is just get out of preseason healthy. And, you know, we opened up this conversation, you know, you're talking about it's middle of training camp. You've forgotten what day it is, all of that good stuff. Like, how do you think players and coaches feel? They're so ready for the regular season to be here. They've been out there on the field for 20-something practices now. Like, they're ready. They're ready to go. Like, they don't need another... Five plays out there in live action to, to right. get them ready to go. So, like, yeah, the coaching staff, and I, I think that it was even reported that you know Robert Sala may have been wanting for a little bit of a lighter practice day and joint practice yesterday to to give these guys because research has shown apparently you know that second days of joint practices can tend to lead to a little bit more um, injuries. The Jets have already been dealing with, with some injuries to Mackay Becton to Zach Wilson, so you would understand a little trepidation there on on their part to not have any unforced injuries um, that were needed. So I I think that it's probably smart for the Falcons to give a little bit of run um, to some of their guys that they need to see from like that center position. Like you mentioned, like the running backs, Uh, some of these receivers who have had pretty good camps, but I imagine would get a lot of run. You know, if Drake London's not out there, Kyle Pitts, not out there, Cordero Patrick, like some of the top weapons, probably going to see a lot of Daryl Hodge, um, you know, probably going to be seeing a lot of Demir bird players like that. Frank Darby because they need Cameron get. Batson, <laughs> Cameron Batson. Um, and Stanley Hill. I want to want to mention Stanley Berryhill and, and as Bernie. Well. Don't forget Bernie and, and Bernie. Bernie's coming up. The, Bernie will come in for one play at the very end and catch a game winning touchdown pass and then simply walk off. That's what he'll do.
1: <laughs> I mean, but here's the <laughs> thing, right? Like if he does that again, but
0: <laughs>
1: there will be a segment of the Falcons fan base that is like, why is this guy not a starting receiver?
0: <laughs> there will be, there probably already is. Uh, To be honest, I mean,
1: (laughs) the the Kellen Moore hive in Detroit has now translated to Jared Bernhardt in Atlanta because there was a Kellen. When I covered the Lions, there was a hive of Kellen Moore fans, mostly in Boise, Idaho. But they also expanded. Who thought he should start over Matthew Stafford?
0: (laughs) I mean, you you weren't here long enough for the Matt Schaub uh, preseason takes forever. But there's the same thing down here. Matt Schaub constantly. Just let's oh, man, give,
1: him, a give him a run. That job at least showed he could be a starting quarterback in exactly. the NFL. Right. Kellen was, Kellen was on the roster half the time because they knew he was so brilliant and yeah. was going to be a coach one day. And the role of any backup quarterback, and understand this, by the way, and I, I think we've talked about this on your show before. If not, I, have, I, am, I scream it from the rooftops because people are like, yeah. backup quarterback, backup quarterback.
0: I know where you're going. The, yeah.
1: the main role of the backup quarterback in almost every offense is – to make sure that the starter is ready. So you want a smart guy who can, watch, who can dissect film easily and can break down everything that they're going to see. That's what matters. Like if, Because 90% of the teams, and, and the Falcons may actually be one of those 10% this year because we don't know, you know, they're trying to get a feel of Desmond Ritter potentially as a long-term option along with Mario. Right. But the vast majority, if you get to your backup quarterback, you're in trouble anyway. Like. <laughs> yeah. You know, you, if you have a guy that can get you out of a game, can win you a week or two, great. But you want a guy, you know, there's a reason Chase Daniel and, the, and uh, the McCowns and Dan Orlovsky lasted for so long in the NFL. And it wasn't because they were amazing NFL quarterbacks. It's because they're amazing in the film room. They are easy to work with. They understand their role. They're not necessarily threatening to a starter. And they work well with the starting quarterback. And they're able yeah. to help that starter get ready. It's like you have a fourth coach in there. And that is the role of the backup quarterback. And anything, anyone who tells you any differently is, is selling you something because they want to create competition 90% of the time.
0: I, yeah, I remember reading, I think it was a Ron Jaworski book or, or piece, but basically he was talking to Bill Polian during the Peyton Manning years. And Peyton Manning was getting 100% of the snaps throughout the week in practice. And and Ron Jaworski was like, huh? You know, you're not giving your backup any run or anything like that. And basically, the quote from Bill Polian to to Ron Jaworski was, "If Payne Manning goes down, we're fucked, and we don't practice fucked. So like, we're we're just not even going to give any air to that. Well, I mean, like, Dan, Dan Arlowski, yeah, Dan Orlovsky ended up being one of those quarterbacks in that the fubar year. <laughs> yeah, it's like I mean, it, like. There it's not very often you have a Jimmy G or a Matt Castle situation. And that normally speaks to more of the infrastructure of the team in place than the actual development of that that second quarterback because they're they're there to kind of develop themselves. They're there yeah. to be ready to go in case of emergency, but nobody's getting them ready to go. Like that is the mark of a good backup quarterback is somebody who is is always prepared, is goose to Maverick, right? Like you're back in the yeah. back of the plane, kind of being like, they got flares on us, Mav. Like, what are we going to do? But you're just there to get your starter ready. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's basically you're, you want a self-starter in that position. You want a guy who maybe wants to coach one day or, mm-hmm. or, or in theory, realistically, be a TV analyst one yeah. day. I know that might sound ridiculous, but, you know, I mean, that, look at how many quarterbacks end up as analysts and end up as good ones. I mean, I would say, you know, I, I love Dan my colleague over at ESPN. Mm-hmm. He, I think he's one of the best in the business. Uh, Especially yeah. when it comes to breaking down film. Tony Romo, remember, started as a backup, you know, and, and look at what he does now. Like, you, you, Phil Simmons, Phil, Phil Simmons, Phil Sims, <laughs> Um, same, you know, same thing. Like, so you see that over and over. Yeah. And, and it's because they're almost like extra coaches. And that's, you know, unlike, that's unlike, I would say, any other position on the field. In terms of when you're looking at backups, because every other place, I think the backup is expected to you know, there's more of a rotation there, except for kicker, or player, right. but that's a different converse, or long snapper, but that's a different conversation altogether.
0: <laughs> well, and generally, your backups at other positions may see action much more frequently than you hope. Backup team quarterback, moves, to yeah, so
1: they have roles yeah. on special teams, or you know, they may be package players. Yep. Uh, you know, like sub nickel or sub dime or. Uh, you know, they may be a situational pass rusher or situational run stopper, uh, or goal back. you know, like they're, they're different, different scenarios there. We've really gotten off course here. Sorry.
0: No, we're, we're right on course because I wanted to, I wanted to transition to the quarterbacks. Um, what do you, what do you want to see from each quarterback? You know, I think maybe Desmond Ritter showed fans writ large, like there, there we go again. Um, <laughs> just maybe more than, than they expected to see. Everybody who's watched him throughout training camp, you know, like like you, like everybody out there every day, like he's shown flashes of that. And then the next day it'll be a little bit worse or a little bit better. But it's the consistency that we want to see a thing from Desmond Ritter. But Marcus Mariota looked, you know, calm, looked like he was running the show fairly well, but but still maybe ran the ball a little more than than people were expecting, still, you know, showed some tendency to maybe tuck and run it instead of sticking in there, throwing some Pat. What do you want to see from these guys out there in your second chance to see them against kind of live competition wearing a Falcons uniform?
1: Stay healthy. I mean, that's that's what you really want to (laughs) see. No, truthfully, I mean, because preseason is preseason. They're running a vanilla offense. They're not going to run anything like super exotic. And I get the sense that Arthur Smith probably has some of that ready to go this year uh, because he has a little bit more mobility in his quarterbacks. I don't want to see much of Marcus Mariota, truthfully. I I think you continue. I think you play him again a quarter. Maybe you play him a little bit more in one of these two games. I think you play him a half. Like I think, you know, I I think, and then the other one, you sit him now, maybe because they only have two quarterbacks or two and a half with Felipe Franks. Maybe you're playing Mariota every game. I I don't know. I I would not do that. But again, I, that's why I'm not paid Arthur (laughs) Smith money. So I would not want to see Marcus Mariota for long. I want to see Desmond Ritter. I think they want to get a better evaluation on Desmond Ritter because I think ideally they are hoping that the, after, ne, after Saturday, the next time they see Desmond Ritter in a game is next preseason. I, I think that they really would love that, ideally because it means Marcus Mariota has, A, gotten through your season healthy, mm-hmm. and B, potentially been pretty good to where you haven't needed to go see what you have in Desmond Ritter. And it means you're competing potentially for a playoff berth. And all of those things I think are positive. So I think they really need to see more of Desmond Ritter. Now, of course, from in a fan-based perspective, the more they play Desmond Ritter and the better Desmond Ritter looks, <laughs> right. the more there are be, there's, there's going to be external pressure on Marcus Mariota, which is not fair to Marcus Mariota because Marcus Mariota has looked better in camp almost every day. And that's just fact. That's just a fact of it. Um, I, I want to see progress from Desmond Ritter. I want to see him to build. I want to see him build on what he did against the Lions in terms of an internal clock and when to take off, making smart throws, better decisions. He was ten of twenty-two. We know this, but that was really probably fourteen or fifteen of twenty-two. Um. But he also got away with two really bad passes that should have been interceptions, including one that would have been a pick six if he wasn't, yep. you know, roughing the passer, which, like, <laughs> you can argue that maybe a roughing the passer call should not negate a turnover. <laughs> you can argue yeah. that because it had nothing to do with, you know, that was a late hit after... after Right, the yeah, the decision
0: still still Yeah, the decision still
1: poop. Um, <laughs> and, you know, so... I want to see better decision-making from him in that aspect. I want to see, again, smart play, which I think we did see from him. And for Mariota, I want to see him slide when he takes off right now because there's no need to dive for a third down yeah. in the preseason. Like, if you slide, you come up a yard short, you want to know who's not going to get mad at you? Anyone. Like, you yeah. need – Marcus Mariota, stay – like, you, you haven't been injured a lot, but you've been hurt a lot. So like you need right. to like not be hurt, like do not go into week one hurt.
0: <sighs> yeah,
1: I, that, that, I that's what I want to see.
0: I and I think that's all that's all really fair because yeah, it was it was shocking to see Marcus Mariota on that first drive, like first play, take off and and what get sandwiched between Aiden Hutchinson and whoever the linebacker was <laughs> coming yeah, over. I mean,
1: listen, I'm not a fan, and I'm I'm sitting there at my television. I'm like, what are you doing, bud?
0: <laughs> he's a gamer you know he's a gamer guess, he just wants to like,
1: be smart man i know you're super excited to be in a starting role for the first time but you want to keep that starting role
0: and the way you do that is by staying on the field he's like keanu, keanu reeves and the replacements just uh you know fighting for every single yard and playing gritty um, hey you know what
1: if he could <laughs> if if they could get the quarterback play of shane falco yes i think they would take it but i would want the what, what was is that? Was that uh, Jonathan Reese Myers, who was the the smoking kicker, or okay. <laughs> Reese Davis? I forget. Well, I forget who that was. Who who that actor is? Mm-hmm. Um, obviously Reese Davis, not my colleague Reese Davies. Right. Who's, yeah. Nice college Davis, Davis, game R-A-Y-S. day. v i s. Um, I don't remember which actor that is, but whoever it is, if that guy could be my kicker, I mean, that guy that guy exudes personality. And Young Way Ku is you know, fine to deal with, but like, I want, I like personalities in my, in, in the people I cover and that guy seemed to exude it. Also, like he was a, he was a walking gambling suspension waiting to happen in the replacements. So
0: yes, yes, he was. His name is uh, I hope I'm saying this correctly. Reese E. Reese So I got
1: one, I, I knew Reese was in there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, and it's spelled almost like Brees, you know, like with a, with a Y in there as well. But no, I, I love that dude. Also in the, Spider-Man movies with, um, not the Tom Holland ones with the, uh, totally blanking on his, on his name, not Tobey Maguire, the damn at the middle one. <laughs> oh man. Anyway, that's going to come back to me in a minute and I'm going to be so I dated. I'm a stone forever. Anyway. Um, let's talk real quick about the, the offensive line, the guys protecting the Andrew Garfield. There we go! Boom, coming full circle. <laughs> I
1: was waiting for you. I was gonna let it. You. I was gonna let you get there on your own.
0: Yeah, it was. It was coming. Uh, apologies, everybody. I know more about Spider Man than uh, than I just let on. But um, the offensive line. I personally believe that Caleb McGarry had a solid game against the Lions. I think he's had a pretty strong camp. Yeah. But both he and the offensive line, kind of all levels of the offensive line, are going to be tested by what I think is one of the de- deepest defensive line groups in the league. I think the Jets have a really solid starting group of defensive linemen, and then there's not a whole lot of drop-off, comparatively speaking. So how important, just like it was for the Falcons' defensive line last week against the Lions, I thought it was a really good test, more than you would expect to get in a preseason game, same thing here with the Falcons' offensive line. How much more will we learn about the Falcons' offensive line, starting and depth-wise, in this preseason game?
1: I think we'll learn incrementally, incrementally more, but the truth is we won't know a ton about them until probably week four. I Cleveland. mean, just because yeah. they're still figuring out the center situation. That much is clear. They're going with a day-to-day rotation. And then, Do you think that
0: continues into the season?
1: No, I, I do not. I, I think if that continues into the season, you, you're playing with unnecessary fire. At some yeah. point, you need to make a decision. Now, you can have a quick hook, you can absolutely have a quick hook on a guy, but especially with a new quarterback in your offense, especially with young players everywhere, uh, you know. I mean, the only way I can imagine them doing that is if they just take any calls away from that from the center entirely and just give them all to Lindstrom, which would be unorthodox <laughs> as a guard. No, no but at least it's an interior lineman who can get down the line. He could attack. do it,
0: right? He well, can do he it. He can
1: absolutely do it. Uh, so. I don't know. I I do think it's uh, my gut would be, of course, their drafted player is Drew Dahlman. so I think they would love to see Drew Dahlman win the job. But if Matt Hennessy's a better player, they're going to play him. And you know, it's not like Matt Hennessey's a ten-year vet, so you're like, oh, you know, like Matt Hennessey's a young guy too that can be your guy. So I I don't think it goes in the season, I mean, that's the only job that's open, really, in my eyes right now. I mean, I think I'm going to throw this out here, and it's it's a wild, probably hot take, but I do think if Jalen Mayfield continues to play well, I think he could creep his way back into a in into a competition. But I don't think that that's the comp. I think that's one of those situations of it's a shorter lane for Elijah Wilkinson if he's not playing well than than maybe we initially thought. But there's been no competition at right tackle. It's been mm-hmm. Caleb McGarry since day one. And I think it's because Caleb McGarry showed up and, yep. and has played well and has at least shown them what they wanted to. And he was always a good run blocker. That was never the question. The question was his pass blocking. Like he was always, I think, an average to above average run blocker. It was his pass blocking that was the church's. So if Jermaine or Fede, if Jermaine or Fede's not giving it to you, then where are you know, Rick Leonard, they've been running primarily on the left side and he's a roster bubble guy to me. Uh, or maybe a feed he is one of those guys, I think is a roster bubble guy because there's not a guarantee they're going to keep four tackles because you could play Wilkinson or theoretically even in a pinch Mayfield. Right. Tackle. So I, you know, I, I don't, I don't know what happens there. I, I, but I think their line is largely set other than center. And I think we'll learn a little bit more, but we'll see how much starters play. You know, I I imagine they're going to once again take a long look at Jalen Mayfield. I think they're going to take a long look at a guy like a Tyler Vrabel, guys like Leroy Watson, Rick Leonard. I think they'll get a long look at Jermaine Affidi again. And you kind of figure it out from there. But there's no need, again, to play starters all that much. You play the starters when, you know, Marcus Mariota's in. And maybe, maybe, maybe you give Desmond Ritter a series with that first team offensive line just to to see what he looks like behind that.
0: Yeah, and I, I agree with you. Certainly, Lindstrom, Jake Matthews, Caleb McGarry, I'd be shocked if if they're out there for too, too long. Um, maybe it is good to get Desmond Ritter one series, but again, depending on how long those series go. It sounded yeah. like Arthur Smith had in his mind maybe a plan to go with Marcus Mariota for one more series kind of in the first quarter in that first game, but first drive lasts 12, 13 plays, so On both sides. Yeah, exactly. So it was a long, long drives in the first quarter. And if you're a coach and you're looking down, you have 15 plays scripted for for your first team offense, quote unquote. Like, what are three plays kind of going in the trash can there? Like, it's worth just not exposing them.
1: Also, the other part of it, too, is you don't want to necessarily put your first team out there against uh, an opponent's second team. True. All that much. Because... The quality of play diminishes. You're not getting as good of an evaluation. And this is all evaluation more than anything yep. else. And also you never know if a second teamer is going to go rogue and attempt to make a roster and make, you know, make a play. And then all of a sudden he takes out, you know, your starting running back and then like, what the heck? Like, yeah. so, you know, there's so, there's so many negatives to doing that. And, you know, coaches, coaches never talk about it. Like that's literally like a violation. Like what Dan, like my understanding is that conversation with Dan Campbell never actually happened. Like uh, at least not in the way that it was portrayed publicly. Uh, Mm -hmm. That's my understanding of it. Uh, But I I think there's kind of an, okay, like, yeah, like you don't want to throw all of your starters out there when you see backups. So if you start seeing a team putting all their backups in, you're maybe going to pull your starters too, even if that wasn't necessarily your plan.
0: Yeah. You're, you're,
1: You're going with your plan to an extent, basically.
0: Right. Yeah. I'd say it's all adjustable. It's all, you know, got to be taken in, you know, new factors that come into play. You got to kind of adjust on the fly, which is, is a good tweak. But I know you're a tennis guy. It reminds me a lot of if if you're playing against somebody who maybe has a lot of power or whatever, but is still inexperienced, those are the guys that freak you out a little bit because they don't have the control that somebody who is immensely talented would have. So you run the risk of them having a bad serve that then goes way astray and hits their partner in the back of the head or somebody who is at the net. You maybe don't have that level of trust. They're not going to just absolutely nail you with the tennis ball because they don't have that level of control. Sometimes it's like that with the backups in a game where if you're a starter, you anticipate that they're going to go about themselves with a certain level of decorum, you know, because they understand it's a preseason game. If you're a roster bubble guy, you don't have that luxury and you're coming out to, to play hard and that's where injuries can happen. And yeah, you just don't want them to happen with, with your starting group. So well, last thing.
1: And, and by the way, well, Jim right. Caldwell, Jim Caldwell would be very excited of your use of the word decorum. Uh, it was, he was a big, he was a big decorum guy. There was actually a drop that the local radio station in Detroit created uh, with him saying, you know, just a little decorum, a little decorum, a little decorum. And then just played it over <laughs> and over again. um they they were very hard on football but uh i'm probably unfairly so uh Mm -hmm. but but what my what i was going to get at with all of that is there is a point to my my interruption which is yeah i mean the other thing too is when you look at it and sometimes it's the opposite of you have the guy who doesn't have as much power and i I, since we're going with the tennis analogy i was at the atlanta open when isner lost and Isner had no answer for this guy who was serving 80 miles an hour. Like, mm-hmm. Isner looked like he was befuddled. Now he was also in an immense amount of pain, you could tell. Like, but like he just couldn't, like, he's like, I, I don't know what to do with this. And, and that's part of also too what you're what you're dealing with and when you want to, you know, make sure your best are going against your best. And, and you kind of go from there.
0: That is true. Yeah. I mean, this the speed of the game, right? Like the same speed that we talk about with rookies and it's faster and you got to adjust same thing when it slows down a little bit with these younger guys, like that can throw you off to an equal degree if you're used to a certain speed. Um, so that's, that's a great point as well. Last little thing here, um, your report, Marlon Davidson's knee scope, um, anything extra on that? Do we expect him? I mean, I know that you have said he's not a roster lock. I kind of feel the same way, but the upside is still clearly there. Uh, how much, Do you think it's in the hands of the guys who would take a spot from him? Somebody, you know, like a Jalen Dalton or, you know, uh, Abdullah, these guys who are fighting for a roster spot. And how much do you think it's, it's still just about Marlon's health. His upside is still clearly there. How do you factor all those things together?
1: I think it's a little of a, and a little of B. Uh, I think if Jalen Dalton and Abdullah Anderson, or maybe a Derek Tangelo, who flashed early mm-hmm. in camp and then kind of, you know, like we were talking about at the top of the podcast, Arthur Smith talks about splash plays and then a guy disappears. It's kind of been Derek Tangelo's story at camp. Yep. Um, you know, those three guys, if two of them start showing out in the last, and again, I wasn't at Jets during practices, but, you know, Timmy Horn's another guy, obviously more of a, a true kind of Grady Jarrett backup or, you know, really Anthony Rush backup than, than a guy that you might put in an end. but. Two of those three guys, two of those four guys really start to show up. And yeah, maybe they just like, you know what? Dumb we're we're okay with Marlon Davidson. And and maybe you put him, maybe you try to stash him on your practice squad if you want. Um you know, if he doesn't get claimed, especially since he's injured, he might not get claimed. Um but I think more likely scenario is he ends up on the 53 and is then placed on injured reserve soon after that. And then because then at that point. You can make a decision when you want to bring him back. Or mm-hmm. if you decide you don't want to bring him back and you're you're going to cut your losses at that point, you can give him an injury settlement off of injured reserve. We saw that with Bryce Rogers. We see it all the time yep. in the NFL. And we see it sometimes with guys who are cut. And then, I mean, a good example, I hate always going back to Detroit. But, uh, no, but they just, when you cover a team for eight years, you see a lot of things, right? Yeah. Um, Zach Zenner was a guy who, they love, they liked Zach Zenner a lot, but he's a roster bubble guy. Zach Zenner, by the way, now is a sports agent, but, uh, Zach, they cut, they basically put Zach on injured reserve. So they didn't cut him and then put him there, but they just put him right on injured reserve. They gave him an injury settlement, I think a couple weeks after that. And then they were no longer, they weren't allowed to sign him for six weeks. And he ends up signing with them for the back half of the season that year. I think that ended up being his second. Allowed. That was his last season in Detroit. Uh, So you see that sometimes. So maybe that's something they would do with Marlon Davidson. To me, the feeling I would get would be they're gonna. I think they would keep him around, put him on injured reserve, and then if all of a sudden, when he's healthy, whenever that is, if you've got depth issues, like you know you lose a guy, you lose two guys. Well, all right, you, you can bring him back after three weeks, right? If if you don't, you either keep him on injured reserve, or if you're completely done. Then yeah, then you then you move on. So you know, I I don't know if this is the last we've seen of Marlon Davidson in a Falcons jersey, but I don't know if it's not the last we've seen of Marlon Davidson in a Falcons jersey. Yeah, uh, you know, I, the one thing I will say about Marlon Davidson is he was not a starter at that when he at the point of him getting hurt, and I don't know if he was close to it. Uh, I think he was at the time probably their number four defensive lineman. But Jalen Dalton was playing well enough that it might have been number – he might have been – it would not have surprised me if he was still healthy, if it w- if he would have been five. And then at that point, if he's five, I don't know if he's on this roster because he's too similar in body type to – and, and skill set to Jalen Dalton, to Taequann Graham, to um, – Grady, even you know, all of a sudden he's your fourth at that, and then you've got Anthony Rush and theoretically maybe Timmy Horn, who might mm-hmm. be an underrated guy to make this team. By the way, um, as a second big guy, if that's how you want to operate in the, as a you know second, if you feel you want that secondary run stopper guy, and yeah, so I, I don't, I mean, I don't necessarily think he was going to make the team if he was healthy. He was going have to have a really good camp. Yeah. I, and, and and he was not having that. He had one or two good days, and then right. it was the Marlon Davidson that we saw that we've always seen, which is it's in there somewhere, but it just doesn't seem like it wants to to escape. Uh, whether that's because of Marlon or just it doesn't happen, whether because of injuries. But like I know that you know fans are fascinated with him, and or I like, can't believe maybe they would cut him because a second round pick, but like different regime different yep. defense. Yep. And also sometimes guys just are overdrafted. And we've seen, we see it over and over and over. And T's Tabor, we talked about at the top of the show, another guy was overdrafted. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, so that second round, the second round is so bad for so many teams because it's like first rounders you feel good about second rounds where it, it starts to get a little bit questionable because you, you know, and, and sometimes you got guys who are overdrafted and sometimes you got guys who are, Severely underdrafted, and we see that over and over again. So, you know, the second round to me is always a really interesting, interesting area uh, in the draft. But obviously, Marlon Davidson's a guy who fits in that area.
0: Yeah, the second round is is definitely what maybe the hardest round, right? Because you've got you've got your thirty two guys that, or and mostly most of the time, it's not thirty two guys. Most of the time, it's fifteen guys. That people feel pretty confident about in the first round is first rounders. And then outside of that, it could be a group of fifty-five players who could go yeah. anywhere from pick seventeen to pick sixty-four in the draft. I, I, no, I, just, say I
1: would say pick eighty or eighty-five. I mean Yeah. I mean know, it, I, I would say since they changed the draft, that set this day two is is where teams, in my opinion, win or lose. Mm-hmm. And, and where regimes succeed or fail. I believe, I believe that firmly. If you have good second and third rounds, you, you put yourself in a pretty good position. If you have bad second and third rounds, you got a lot to overcome unless your infrastructure is pretty set. Well, we're, we'll see what that means for the Falcons. I think so far they're, they're, second and third. I mean, again, it's way too early to tell, but Richie Grant looks like he's going to be a starter. I'll awesome. tell you, we're talking, when we talked, when we, and maybe we'll close here because we talked at the top a little bit about D. Alford and camp stars three of the guys who I think have had the best camps period are in that secondary in D Alford, Darren Hall and Darren Hall may play very limited snaps this year, but I'll tell you, I think if it it would not shock me to see Darren Hall at some point, maybe really push Casey Hayward for that job. Uh, It would not surprise me because he has played really well. He shows up every day. And again, if you're starting to, it's, if it's going to be clear it's, the season's going not the way you want it and you want to get the young guy experience and maybe you want to see if Paul and Terrell are your guys for the future yeah. at corner, maybe you start to see that. And the other guy um, is Richie Grant. Richie Grant's had a really good camp. You yeah, know, sure. I had a lot of questions about Richie Grant entering this camp from a speed perspective, from a lateral movements perspective even from a picking up the defense perspective, because all those things were question marks last year when he had to move down a nickel and even before. And you want to know what? He looks good. He's one of the few guys that in camp has consistently been able to hang with Kyle Pitts and that's not nothing. So uh, do it, does this translate to the regular season? I don't know, but I'll tell you, I think he's had a really good training camp. And, and that's that's a good sign, I think, if you're the Falcons and that ends up being something that potentially works out for you.
0: I'm I'm glad that you brought up Darren Hall because he really may be one of the most like underrated players in in this camp in throughout the summer. I mean, of guys that have, have popped that we've talked a lot about, I, I don't know. I think Darren Hall's kind of got lost in the wash a little bit. And because he's probably not gonna play a ton in the preseason, I don't know if he's gonna build that kind of word of mouth buzz either, where fans who see him in these preseason games making some of these plays that that then the the grassroots kind of conversation starts about Darren Hall. But right. it's worth noting that he has played really, really well, I think, throughout training camp and should yeah, be a player considered I, I mean, yeah, on the I
1: don't, rise. I don't, I don't expect to see him much in the regular season, at least early on. But, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, 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 don't, and I don't see him as a guy that they're going to bump inside. I, I think he, for now, right. stays outside.
0: And that's generally like teams don't rotate their outside corners. They're not part of right. a rotation. So that's why, you know, it's not because Darren hall still needs more time. Although he does, every player needs a little bit more yeah. time to, to mature to season. But this isn't the rookie Darren hall that they were asking to step in at times last year. This is, no, he's come he, a long way.
1: Yeah. He, he's got a chance to be a, a you know, I, whenever I say average NFL player, I feel like that gets taken poorly, but right. uh, like that's a really that's a good thing. This team but,
0: needs more average NFL players. Yeah, I think I,
1: I think and I think he's got a chance to be better than that too. I mean, I really really like what I've seen from
0: him. So. Awesome. Well, uh, that's Mike Rothstein giving his thoughts on the Falcons preseason before they take on the New York Jets on Monday night. Please follow him on Twitter at Mike Rothstein to see all of his amazing camp observations. They have literally been uh, you know a life raft for me sitting here looking at my computer, unable to attend every practice, trying to get some semblance of what is going on out there. Anything else you want to let uh, listeners know about, Mike?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously my podcast from the perch. although I have no idea what I'm going to talk about when I record it today, since we just <laughs> talked for an hour about probably what I was going to do. Uh, I'm probably going to do a little bit shorter version of this, uh, a lot shorter version of this, actually, uh, <laughs> because I don't have a co-host like like Will who you know lets lets me kind of go and do things, but I'll probably also have a 53-man roster projection uh, on there as well, much like I did before the Lions game, just to give you an idea of what what you might want to look at and not look at. Uh, and then yeah, my work over at ESPN.com, obviously, uh, and both NFL and boxing work because I have a, a good amount of boxing stuff there. I wrote a story. And actually, yeah, if you listen to ESPN Daily, hopefully you heard the... Friday episode, which was on Ramla Ali, who became one of two women, because she has to fight somebody, to (laughs) become the first woman to box professionally in Saudi Arabia. That happened on the Joshua Usyk undercard on Saturday. She actually won in the first round in a minute, uh, which was a surprise to a lot of people, myself included, I think probably even Ramla included, even though I haven't talked with her yet. Uh, But I wrote a massive story on her and her life her journey from being a Somalian refugee as a baby to a combination boxer, high-end fashion model, humanitarian activist, and uh, yeah, that 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 covers it. Uh, <laughs> but she's she's a big deal over in the UK, a big deal in Somalia, and uh, her story is fascinating. I spent a couple of days with her in Los Angeles uh, in June, and. Uh, it was super interesting. We went to go see an Alexander McQueen exhibit. So I never thought I'd be able to work Alexander <laughs> McQueen into uh, a story I was writing for ESPN. But you know, he, I worked the Met Gala, Alexander McQueen, and um, vintage going vintage shopping into a story. And uh, I'm all for that. But no, I, her story is incredible. Uh, I feel like more people should know it and read it um, because as much as it's a story about her, it's also a story about the refugee crisis in the world. And, uh, you know, I think that that's something that, that more people should learn about. Absolutely. So that's a long spiel there for what I'm plugging <laughs> today.
0: <laughs> no, I, I can't wait to uh, to check that out. I'm definitely going to have to have to read that one. Um, but yeah, everybody, please go check out From the Perch, a great short form podcast, because this is apparently long form. We are we're just keeping the long form art alive over here on uh, Believe in Falcons. <laughs> um, Sorry about that. <laughs> no, no, no! This is this is the the in depth conversations that people come here for. Um, but I really appreciate you taking the time to join me on this Sunday morning turned afternoon. Um, I'll let you let you get out of here, rest up before another preseason game. And thanks again for your time, bud. No
1: problem. I'm gonna go food shopping now. It's gonna be super fun.
0: <laughs> Heck yeah! <laughs> See you. That will do it for today's show. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thanks again to Mike for joining. Please go check out all of his work at ESPN.com and check out from the perch. Uh, a little bit of housekeeping reminder that after uh, Monday night's game, well, you know we'll record Tuesday, but you will be getting some content right after the game um, from myself and Alan Stirk who writes for the Falcoholic. A lot of you guys may remember him from his Locked On Falcons podcasting days with Aaron Freeman, but he will be at the game in person and then will join me on Tuesday to break it all down, uh, all the sight sounds um, live from that game, who stood out to him um, there in person. So I'm really excited to kind of get his feel for everything, how everything went down. But of course, Ovi and I will be watching Uh, the game very closely. We will have notes and then we will come back um, and revisit with you guys sometime next week. I think we are planning on having Aaron Freeman on uh, this week as well. So we'll get his thoughts kind of in the lead in to the Jacksonville game um, on Saturday. So, yeah, we've got just two more games to go before the regular season is here. Can't wait. A lot of big stuff coming on this podcast throughout the season, as we have mentioned as always, if you guys have questions, feel free to shoot them to us on Twitter. My Twitter is at Will McFadden. You can check out Ovi's um, at Ovi Mihaly 34 or feel free to uh, shoot us an email at believe. I don't know why I said at there because it's just an email, but you can email us at the AT kind believe in Falcons at gmail.com. Once again, that's B-L-E-A-V in falcons at gmail.com so shoot us a note anytime uh let us know what you like don't like about the podcast or if you have any questions about the team and we will get to it there so that i think does it for us today um as always today's podcast is presented by bet online everybody get excited for a little bit of jets falcons preseason action and take care